But we're glad to be here with you all in this gospel effort. I'm just uh, so uh, happy that we can come and be here. I've passed by this building many, many times uh, when I've been with Joe and Gail uh, as we traveled a lot through the years. And uh, this was my first time to come into the building yesterday. But uh, appreciate you all that are standing uh, uh, for God's truth here and your interest and your love for God and his word. And um, I just uh, we we are very familiar with uh, congregations this size because we've been a part of many of them. Uh, for years, I worked uh, for the Santa Fe Railroad uh, for 17 years. And we were transferred to areas where there was not a sound church meeting. So uh, we'd have to travel a long ways to worship. And we have three daughters, and they were very young at the time. And uh, and so what we'd do, we'd find other brethren that would help us, and we'd start a new work. And, uh, and it's encouraging to find uh, at least one of those works is still uh, in existence today and got to go back there last year and hold a gospel meeting for them right near Albuquerque. Uh, New Mexico. So, uh, but it's good to be with all of you here, and we really appreciate you inviting us to come and be a part of this. And Ray, uh, uh, we've been in uh, contact a lot through the years, just through emailing, and I'm finally glad we've got this opportunity to work together. It's really, really good to do that. We live in a outside of a town called Kemp, Texas, and I've already had people ask me where is it. Well, it's difficult to find. Uh, but uh, it's about 45 miles southeast of Dallas, and um, there's a bypass that goes around the town, and when they put that bypass in, it just, the town just shrunk. I mean, it just, we have a, uh, a town that we finally, since we've been there, we got a red light. So we have one red light in town, and we were really excited when we got a Dollar General. And, uh, but here in the last couple of months, but now we've got a Walmart neighborhood market and we cannot believe that we've got a Walmart uh, in our little town. But uh, I tell people they want to know how big the town is. So, well, we got about 1,200 people. And uh, when we have a parade, we have one float. It sits on Main Street, and people walk by and wave at it. And so, uh, but we're pretty small where we are. And the church where we worship uh, and attend and work with, uh, uh, we have about probably around 60 members and uh, but uh, back in January, we have a, a man that came in t- to work with us on a full time basis, and uh, he was very close friends with my father, and I'm so glad he's there working with us there in Kemp, Texas. As I said last evening, I'm so glad to have Vicky with me. Um, uh, she's a, a great encouragement to me in the work that we're doing, and I'm just glad to have her a part of this. And you could meet her as well. She's the better half of all this. So anyway, I'm just glad to have her. Let's start now with John 13, 1 through 17. Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that he, his hour had come, that he should depart from this world to the father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. And supper being ended, the devil having already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, and that he had come from God and was going to God, rose from supper and laid aside his garments, took a towel, and girded himself. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet 
and to wipe them with a the towel with which he was girded. Then he came to Simon Peter, and Peter said to him, Lord, are you washing my feet? Jesus answered and said to him, What I am doing you do not understand now, but you will know after this. Peter said to him, You shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, If I do not wash you, you have no part with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. And Jesus said to him, He who is bathed needs only to wash his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not all of you. For he knew who would betray him. Therefore he said, You are not all clean. And so when he had washed their feet, taken his garments, and sat down again, he said to them, Do you know what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you say, well, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and your teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. Most assuredly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is he who is sent greater than he who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. Some denominations practice foot washing as a part of their worship service. But foot washing was never done as an act of worship to God in the New Testament. It was done as an act of service to man. That's what we read right here. It was the mark of a godly widow when we read over in 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 10. But here Jesus is talking to his apostles about their conduct toward one another. Because while Jesus saw what was going on with these men, they were disputing among themselves, the apostles were. We find in Mark 9, verse 33 through 35, that Jesus came to Capernaum, and when he was in the house, he asked them, What was it you disputed among yourselves on the road? But they kept silent, for on the road they had disputed among themselves who would be the greatest. It's hard to imagine the apostles acting that way. But Jesus knew that his time was winding down on the earth. And he had to get this addressed before he left these men. And we notice in verse 35, he sat down and he called the twelve and he said to them, If anyone desires to be first, he shall be last of all and servant of all. That's what he's trying to get across to these men. He taught them that greatness in his kingdom would not consist of ruling, but serving. That's what it's all about, folks. It's not about me. It's not about you having our way. It's about us serving one another. Here we find the the greatest example of service coming from Jesus. He is the example of service, the standard to follow. Can you imagine? Here is Jesus, the Son of God, stooping to wash the feet of these men. But he found contentment in doing that. He found fulfillment in doing that. He rendered it a privilege and a joy to wash the feet of his disciples. And I need to follow the same example. And so do you. We need to follow the example of Jesus. People are often very unhappy today. I believe the reason why so many people are unhappy is because of self-centeredness. 
We're so wrapped up in ourselves and our own lives. We live in a society where it's all about me. I'm number one. No, we're not number one. It's not about us. Benjamin Franklin, one of the founding fathers of our nation, was asked to define the American religion. And he said, number one, there is a God. And number two, there's an afterlife. But he said, number three, the best way to serve God is to serve people. That came from the founding fathers of our nation. The best way to serve God is to serve people. Wouldn't it be great if people today and those in our government would, would hear more of that coming from them? It, that's what it's about. And Jesus taught that principle right here. And when you compare the apostles' behavior to that of Jesus, here they're fussing over greatness. He said, stop it. Don't do that anymore. And if we would learn service, blessed are we. Here we find the heart of a servant. You know, when you go back to John 13, verse 1, let's look at a few things that we find here. In verse 1, Jesus knew that his hour had come. He knew that his life was winding down on earth. When we got back to Gallatin last night, back to the home of, of my brother-in-law and sister-in-law, we were just talking about life. And talking about how now that we've, we've raised our three daughters and they've raised their four children, and, and we just, we're just talking about how that we started looking at life differently. And I said, really, since my father died in 2012, I look at things so much differently now than I did. I mean, things that I thought were so important to me are not that important. When you begin to think about life, is winding down for all of us. And I made a comment, and I, I'm surprised they didn't come back and say, boy, you're being negative. I just said, well, we're on the downslope of life right now. Let's just face it. But I know this, as long as I have left remaining, and, and I'm sure you, you would agree with this, we better do all we can to keep serving what time we have left. And you may say, well, you know, I haven't, I'm not accustomed to that, or maybe I haven't done that. Well, it's time to do it while you have the time. Well, we have. All of us have the time. And I believe that's what Jesus was saying. My time is getting near to ending but you're going to continue on, fellas. And here's what you need to do. Serve one another. Serve others. Here's another thing that Jesus knew. He knew his enemies were. Judas Iscariot. That Sanhedrin council. You know who your enemy is? It's the devil. He's our adversary. And, and, and when you think about all the problems that go on today among brethren in various churches all over the country, you know who's planted in there? Our adversary. There are people who are carrying out his mission of destroying what Jesus set out to do. Establishing his church and, and wanting us to get along with one another. And, and I tell you what, as long as we are serving one another, the devil doesn't want that, the adversary doesn't want it. But that's what God wants from us, and we'll have peace. And we will grow. We will, we will grow. Others will see that in us. Here's something else that I believe that, that we see in this is that he knew his identity. Jesus knew he had come from God. 
He is the Son of God. We need to understand and know our identity, who we are. We are children of God. He's our Father. And, and another thing I believe, well, we do know this. He knew this. These men were feuding. They were feuding. And he just thought, Hi, we're not, we can't have this. Rather than him telling them, uh, you know, guys, you need to stop arguing with one another and just take on the, 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 the uh, being a servant to one another. No, he just didn't tell them. He showed them washing somebody's feet. It's very important that we find this heart of service, not just admire it. Say, well, look at what Jesus did. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that something what he did? No, don't just look at it. Take it on. We must take it on. So this type of service, first of all, let's look at this. Here's some things I believe we can learn from this. Doesn't worry about my rights. We hear a lot today about people talking about their rights, how their rights are violated. And there's so many lawsuits today that come as a result of people saying, my rights have been violated. Well, sometimes they are. And, and we must do something about it. But this type of service that we see here on, on the part of Jesus doesn't worry about my rights. With this type of service, we might have to stoop to others' problems. And we might get dirty. We might sit down for supper one night, a hot meal right there in front of us, and get a phone call that somebody needs some help or needs something and we may have to get up from our table and leave that supper and go and come back to a cold plate later. This is the kind of service that we're, we're talking about. My feet might get dirty. I might get filth on my hands. But the service that we offer to God and others must be with the proper spirit. In Ephesians chapter 6, verse 5 through 7, the Apostle Paul said, Bond servants. Be obedient to those who are your masters according to the flesh, with fear and trembling and sincerity of heart as to Christ, not with eye service as men pleasers, but as bondservants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, with, the, with, goodwill, with goodwill doing service as to the Lord and not to men. In Romans 12, verse 10 through 11, Paul said, Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love, in honor giving preference to one another, not lagging in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. Please turn your Bibles to Matthew 25. <clears throat> Matthew 25, verse 34. Jesus said, then the king will say to those on his right hand, Come, you blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you took me in. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you drink? When did we see you a stranger and take you in or naked and clothe you? Or when did we see you sick 
or in prison and come to you. And the king will answer and say to them, But surely I say to you, Inasmuch as you did it to one of the least of these my brethren, you did it to me. Then he will also say to those on the left hand, Depart from me, you cursed, into the everlasting fire, prepare for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me no food. I was thirsty, and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger, and you did not take me in. Naked, and you did not clothe me. Sick and in prison, and you did not visit me. And then they also will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry? Or thirsty, or a stranger, or naked, or sick, or in prison, and did not minister to you? And then he will answer them, saying, Assuredly, I say to you, inasmuch as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go into, into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. Folks, when we serve others, we serve the Lord. When we don't serve, we don't serve Him. It's about service. Here's a song that I, I just love this song called Others. In Philippians 2 verse 4, Paul said, Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. If you would, just join in with me on a couple of verses of this song. <clears throat> Do me so. Lord, help me live from day to day in such a self-forgetful way that even when I kneel to pray, my prayer shall be for others. Help me in all the work I do to ever be sincere and true and know that I do for you must needs be done for others others Lord yes others let this my motto be, help me to live for others, that I may live like Thee. That song goes so well with Matthew 25. Let that be our motto of serving others and when we do, we're serving the Lord. Here's something else. That this type of service. It does not expect. To be served in return. You know Ray. If you want me. To do something for you. I want you to do something for me. Have we ever done that before? <laughs> Somebody said. "Hey, Joe I'd like for you to find me a car. And he said, well, i tell you what, there's something I'd like for you to do. Come up with the money. <laughs> no, no, I'm just kidding about that. He never made that an issue. I don't want, want you all to think that at all. But I'm just saying, we're used to the trade-off system, aren't we? We do it all the time. And sometimes it's okay. 
But no one washed the feet of Jesus on this occasion. He, he didn't ask for it. And if he had asked for it, there would not be service. He wasn't asking for anybody to do it. But he sought to start a trend. Because that's what he said. In verse 15, he says, For I've given you an example that you should do as I've done to you. There's a reason why he did it. I'm trying to get you fellows to see something here. A very important lesson. And I'll tell you something else about this type of service. It doesn't wait for others to begin. It goes first. It doesn't wait. He's the only one that we read of here in, in John 13 who got up from the table. And imagine the rest of them sitting around the table fussing with one another or maybe arguing with one another over greatness. And no one maybe even noticing that Jesus got up with the towels and with the basin of water. Anyone can look around and see things that that need to be done and wait for others to begin. The servant just doesn't look. The servant gets up and does it. And he may serve alone if necessary. Isn't it much easier though to do things for others when you have other people joining in with you? That's what we prefer. Is you know what? I'd like for others to kind of join in with me and let's do something here together. But this type of service Chooses to serve alone if necessary. He didn't request it. We don't see Peter serving on the other side. Just Jesus alone. Washing some dirty feet. And what happens to us sometimes when we can't get others to serve with us? Maybe our enthusiasm cools. Maybe we came up with some ideas. Maybe in a business meeting. And, and we said, you know what? I, I think it would be a good idea if we did this and did that. And then maybe somebody says, well, I don't know about that. And all of a sudden we get discouraged. <clears throat> they don't seem to appreciate me. I quit. I quit. I, I've seen brethren act that way in my life. During my lifetime. It's sad. That's not what Jesus was trying to establish here. This type of servant's heart does not quit when others don't share my enthusiasm. It keeps working. It keeps working alone, if need be. I, I like what a high school football coach taught his coaches, assistant coaches at a school where I used to go when I was growing up. He was a great football coach, head, coach, head football coach. But he told his men, he said, you can't coach anybody or somebody you haven't built a relationship with. You have to serve before you can lead. You have to show others that you care. That makes a big difference. I care about you. I'm concerned about you. I'm going to do what I can do to encourage you. What is our motivation? <clears throat> our motivation, folks... To please God is to please Him. I'll serve even if I have to serve alone and no one serves with me. And I believe that type of service works. It worked here. It worked here. 
<clears throat> I, I tell this sometimes where I go, and um, we have a couple ladies back home who are widows. And, and one of them will send cards to people. All the time. We've been there for 18 years. Anytime there's a birthday, <clears throat> anniversary, someone's sick, she, Joyce, will go and she'll go out and buy a card and sign it, send it, put a stamp on it. And it hit me here a few months ago, and I don't know why I could kick myself for taking so long to do this. All of a sudden I got thinking about the postage that she has spent all the years we've lived there in Kemp, Texas. I'm not talking about her sending a card just to us and our family. I'm talking about everyone in that congregation through the years. She buys the card. She takes the time and effort to sign it and writes things on it and puts a stamp on it. And, and I, uh, the other day I just thought, you know what, I'm going to buy her own. It's the book of stamps. 20. Big deal, right? Big deal. Compared to hundreds of stamps she's bought through the years. She found something that she can do on her own. Nobody ever said, hey, Joyce, would you do this? She just did it on her own. And I, and I left it in the card, in the envelope, <clears throat> or I, I mailed it to her. And, and she wrote back to me, and she just said, Tim, I, you didn't have to do that. She said, but when I opened it up and I saw 20 stamps, it brought tears to my eyes that somebody was even thinking about it. I said, well, I, I, I'm ashamed that I didn't do this 18 years ago. Again, that's not bragging. I'm ashamed of the fact that I waited so long to recognize, oh, yeah, I appreciate that card coming to me and to my family. But she has done so much without anyone telling her she ought to do that. And we have another lady that just is real good about going and taking the bulletin. And, and she's 90 years old now, still doing it. When I first moved there 18 years ago and started putting a bulletin out, she would take about 20 extra bulletins. She said, Tim, would you print me out about 20 extras? Because I'm going to go out and hand them out to people all over the county. She goes to the nursing homes, hands them out. She's still doing it to this day. That's what she'll be doing this afternoon. She's 90, and she's still driving a car. That's scary. At 90. But she's, one time she went by me on the, on the road about 90. <laughs> so, <laughs> I thought, where did she come from? But she was out of sight in no time. But she's on a mission. But nobody asked her to do that. Nobody asked her to do it. Sometime, one, one day, somebody left the water running in the laboratory in the, in the restroom. And, and so announcement was made. Everybody, be sure you turn the water off so we don't leave that running during the day or during the week. And, and uh, but you know what she started doing? She started going in every restroom in that building being sure things turned off. Nobody asked her to do it. She just does it on her own. And she last thing she'd say to me, everything's, everything's ready, everything's clear, everything's done. And uh, again, that's the kind of service that will work. I appreciate people like that. And I know you do too. This type of service doesn't expect a favorable response. You know, sometimes, man, when we do something, we're, we're, we, we appreciate 
somebody saying thank you. And they should, really. But if they don't, we get our feelings hurt about it. We think, well, they don't, I don't think they appreciated what I did for them. This type of service is not looking for that. It's not looking for a pat on the back. His apostles did not understand what he was doing. Peter objected to that. But sometimes people are fishing for a compliment. They may not, may not recognize what we're doing or may be critical. And some won't care and there'll be no thank yous. But our response is, I'm going to serve anyway. I'm going to serve anyway. I, uh, I, so, sometimes I'll tell this story about preaching. When I started preaching in 1990 on a full-time basis, you know, some of the sermons I felt like did well. And I knew there were some sermons that didn't do so well. And there was one in particular. I went out to the car, and, and Vicki and I were getting ready to leave, and our kids went somewhere else with some other people. And she said to me, it was on a Sunday evening, she said, you know that sermon you did just now? I said, yeah. She said, I wouldn't do it again. <laughs> I, I knew it wasn't good. And I, I said, well, you know what? I just didn't prepare enough. I didn't study enough. It's my fault. One of these days I'm going to pull that sermon out and I'm going to do it again and it'll be so much better. Well, I haven't even ever touched it all these years. And I sometimes will tell people that to me a sermon's kind of like a plane going down the runway. Uh, sometimes a plane will lift pretty quick and sometimes a plane will take almost the entire runway. That sermon, and I said sometimes a sermon will lift pretty quick and sometimes it might take the entire runway. She said, well, by the time that your sermon lifted, I was still on the ground. <laughs> so I wasn't with you on that flight. I told my dad that story later, and he said, where'd you get the sermon? I said, well, Dad, it was one of yours. <laughs> so he, said, he didn't even know, want to know what it was. So anyway, but Jesus served even when the apostles did not understand. Because in verse 7, he says, what I am doing, you do not understand now. But you will know after this. He said, I know you don't understand what's going on. But you're going to be thinking about this later. And don't you know, they started thinking about that later on when they got on into the, the ministry of, continued the ministry of Jesus after Jesus had already left this earth and ascended back to the Father. These men carried on the work. Don't you know that they were reminded of this? Or maybe they reminded one another. Remember what the Lord did for us? That's what we got to keep doing. And then this type of service is not just reserved for my friends. It's easy to serve people you really enjoy being with or being around. But in this group was a person who was about to betray him. Who was about to betray him. And yet he was willing to wash the feet of a traitor. He elevated his enemies who pretended to be his friends. He washes the feet of Judas as he washed the feet of John and Peter and James and Matthew. And we too must be willing to serve our enemies. And that's not easy to do. Please turn your Bibles to Matthew 5.43. Matthew 5.43. Notice what we read here in the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus taught here in Matthew 5.23... You have heard that it was said. 
You shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you. And pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. Have you ever done that? Have you ever done that? Somebody that, that, that maybe has said things hurtful to you or said things hurtful to someone else, someone that you just don't really care about being around, you say, Man, I, just don't, I don't care much for, for that person, the way they act. But have you ever stopped and said, you know what, I'm going to pray for them? It's hard to do. But I guarantee you, when you take time and you pray for your enemy, or you pray for someone who says something to you that's hurtful, you take on a completely different disposition. And I don't know why I don't do it more. Because when I do that, when I stop and pray for someone that I know that maybe it's my enemy. And the Lord had a lot of enemies, didn't he? He said, you pray for them. And, and again, it, it takes on a completely different, your attitude is like, you know what? I'm not going to let this keep me down. I'm going to rise up above this. But then I continue reading verse 45. He says, that you may be sons of your Father in heaven, for he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward have you? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet your brethren only, what do you do more than others? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? Look at Romans 12, verse 17 through 21. In Romans 12, verse 17 through 21, this is talking to us about our behavior toward our brethren. In Romans 12, beginning with verse 17, the Apostle Paul says, Repay no one evil for evil. Have regard for good things in the sight of all men. If it is possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. He says, if it is possible. Sometimes it's not possible. But, but don't, don't let that be your fault. It may be the person that you're trying to have peace with chooses not to be at peace, but you do what you can to strive for the peace. He said, live peaceably with all men. That's talking about my enemies, your enemies. Beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Therefore, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him a drink. For in so doing, you will heap coals of fire on his head. Do not, let over, let, uh, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Now what the Lord taught in Matthew 25? When you feed others, when you feed your enemy, when you give them a drink, you're serving him. And I, I, uh, my mother used to say to me, when I'd come home from school and say, Mom, I, I, don't, I, I don't like my teacher. And my mother would say, you need to hit, heap coals of fire on her head. And I said, Mother, if I could, I would. <laughs> she said, well, that's not what I'm talking about, son. I'm saying, you need to kill her with, I said, what would you say? <laughs> kill her with kindness. You be kind. And she'll treat you differently. You do what she wants you to do when it comes to doing your schoolwork. 
and it'll be altogether different. And that's true. So true. You know, it's hard to serve a pretender. Think about Jesus serving Judas, the one who would later put that kiss of betrayal on his cheek. But he stooped the hypocrite. Maybe they come around in our lifetime, maybe not. But I hope we can see the good that can come from this. Others will notice how we handle situations like that. And I learned from all of this that we're studying here this morning what God and Christ have done for me. He stooped to wash the grime of sin off of me and you as well. He went to the cross so that we could be forgiven and be made clean. He had the servant's heart and so do I need that as well. One other observation here about this type of service. It will make you look like a servant and be treated like one. When I read John 13, and I've read it many, many times, just reading that, and I think about this. If I was to walk in that room where these men were, and I didn't know who they were. I'm just coming off the street, and I don't know who these men are. And I see a person over there washing feet, and somebody would ask me, who's the servant here? Well, the one who's washing feet. Well, how do, you, how do you come with that? Well, he looks like a servant. Well, did you know that servant that you think's a servant? That's Jesus Christ. That's Jesus. And these other men around the table, they're getting their feet washed for his followers. Now I might say, why aren't they washing his feet? He's leading them. Why, why is he washing the feet of those who are followers? See, you look at this scene, and he's the only one washing his disciples' feet. He looked like a servant. So the point I'm making here is when you and I practice this, don't be surprised to be treated like a servant. Somebody will look at you, and they'll say, I don't know why you want to do that for, uh, and may criticize you. And, and, and they may just say, you missed a spot. And I'll tell you what, sometimes you're expected to do everything. There's a man that I really appreciated, great love and respect for, when Vicki and I were first married and we moved to Topeka, Kansas. And we were in the process of appointing elders. And, and there was one man, the, both, both men I thought were, I mean, when you looked, at the qualification for elders, those men were qualified. Good men. And, and, but that, yet there was one or two fellows, though, did not want this one serving. And, and the point that one of them made there in our meeting was that, well, you always do everything. He said, what do, you, what do you mean? He said, well, anytime anything needs to be done at the building, you're always down there fixing it. You don't give anyone else a chance to do anything. It may be changing a doorknob, and you're over doing it. Or working in, in, the, in the restroom and changing out the, the, uh, 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 the float. I'm sorry, I've gone blank on the, on the name, in the, in the toilet. I mean, 
And he just said, well, fellas, I don't mind. I don't mind anyone else helping out with this, but when it needs to be fixed, I just fix it. And, and uh, I, I was sitting there as a young man thinking, I can't believe what I'm hearing. Here's a man who's willing to serve, and he's being criticized for it. But I know this, now that I've put a few more years in my life, uh, been down the road, it went deeper than that. They were just using this. But here's the thing that this man said. If this is going to create a problem with me serving, then just remove my name from consideration. And he said, I don't want to cause any problem. I don't want there to be any problem or division among us, fellas, if I have upset you with that. I couldn't keep my mouth shut. I just spoke up. I said, that's right there shows he's qualified. He's a, he's a man who's willing to serve and, and, and wants to have things have peace. And, um, and as a result, no elders were appointed. No shepherds. And we were so close. But here was somebody who came across as a servant. And it was criticized for it. But we learn lessons in that. This type of service, the blessing is in doing it. See, in John 13, verse 17, the very last verse we read a while ago, if you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. How happy we'll be if we take on the role of a servant. Uh, and, and just learning and, and practicing what Jesus did. I would ask Ray if he would lead this song for us. Servant song, number 97. It's up here on the screen, and, and uh, all, all three verses are here. But I think this would be a good way to close this lesson, uh, our study this morning, with the singing of this song, and then we'll be dismissed.
Yeah, I have a